Top of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. You will die only to live again in a younger body. Then you can tell me if the operation was a success. I could easily kill you now. But I'm determined to have your brain. You're listening to the Really Awful Movies Podcast, a celebration of genre cinema. Hi, my name is Chris, and along with Jeff, we talk about movies that aren't really awful at all. Horror, action, kung fu, musicals, post-apocalyptic, women in prison films, and much, much more. That thing's a real monster. Pablo, they say the crocodile is around 15 meters long. Uh, what you talk about? It was 30 meters long. Uh, no crocodile is that long. You're going to hunt it down and kill it, aren't you? Sure, we're going to kill it, aren't we, Joe? You bet, Judge. Consider it already dead. No. No what? What are you talking about, boy? We're against killing of any kind. Is that so? Why don't you go tell us that that monster? He's already eaten two men and would have eaten you if it hadn't been for Joe. You don't understand. That's not an ordinary crocodile. It's probably the only one of its kind. Maybe in these swamps a million years ago, there were thousands of them. Don't you know how important this discovery is? I don't know nothing. And I don't give a damn about that crocodile. All I care about are the folks who live around here. Well, for starters, you could take security measures. Security measures? Did you get a load of that animal? It's a giant, a killer. From our downtown Toronto headquarters, here's episode 251, 1989, search engine optimized, title, Killer Crocodile. Now, wait, you say search engine optimized, and I know that, I mean, from the very beginning, since we started this, this podcast, even before that, you know, the genesis of the, the show was just in a blog, they were writing, and you kept on banding about this acronym seo seo we got and i you know i'm not as a uh literate into in the world of current communication and huh. dissemination of media and so on and i didn't know what seo is and you know you're still quite concerned about <laughs> seo tell me what seo stands for so you plunk something into a search engine and you find it right dag nabbit you find it and this is a movie hell if you're into killer crocodiles and you want to watch a movie about killer and who crocodiles? Is it, is it killer crocodiles? Come on! Not anyone I know. By the way, is there this this movie? It's like the opposite of a paradox mm-hmm. because crocodiles, by their very nature, are killers. They're predatory animals, right? Yeah. So it, it, it's a redundancy to call it killer crocodiles. They might as well just call it crocodiles. Oh, oh of course, yeah, and anthropomorphic as well because we're we're. Uh, projecting uh, our murdering onto some creature that does not know what it does. It just, it eats. It kills well, that's and what, it eats. What I'm saying is that to call a film Killer Crocodile, this film delivers on its title 100%. <laughs> you want a crocodile, you got a crocodile. You want one that kills, you got one that kills. But what I'm trying to say, Chris, is that don't you think a calling a movie Killer Crocodile is redundant? Because the reality is that by their very nature, you don't need to have... I mean, this movie does, of course, have the deus ex machina of any animal attack movie, <laughs> the, the nebulous radiation and the, the corporations and so on. They're destroying the ecosystem and, you know, but sometimes these deus ex machinas turn the most harmful of creatures like rabbits and naivalipus into so-called predatory man-eaters. Yeah. Not so-called, into lit- mm. literal. Crocodiles are predatory animals. By so you're their saying, are you saying that the 
barrels of radioactive waste should have made these creatures docile and no, vegetarian? No, no, no. It, it made, look. It that made, would have been something. You're saying creatures, but because we really only have one creature we're dealing with. And i got to say, dude, like I'm a hardened watcher of these sorts of movies. I've... It's, it's rare to, for something to make my jaw drop, but when this film started, <laughs> and you get, like, it doesn't waste any time. It's, it is not like Jaws. It, it does not skimp on the croc at all. When you see that first shot of the croc's jaws, dude, my jaw, mm-hmm. no pun intended, literally dropped. It hit the floor. It was massive. I was like, yes! I stood up and feared. <laughs> Our crocodiles are not predatory animals. Are they, are they, they're they're not- apex predators. They're the top dog. Right. So to speak. <laughs> so why? So calling a movie killer crocodile is redundant. Well, it's it's a, emphasizing it's, it's a killer capability. Because all crocodiles are killers. <laughs> Department of redundancy department. Yes, but now yeah. that we've gone past semantics and so on, and the title, and the fact that you get what you pay for yeah. or not pay for, because this is on YouTube. Yeah. But, um, let's discuss more of this movie. This movie was, besides a crocodile making my jaw drop. I mean, God bless the Italians. This movie is a. A boolea base of nuttiness mixed with terrible dubbing, mixed with terrible casting, mixed with <laughs> awesome gore, mixed with ridiculous moments galore, and awesome practical effects. I mean, this movie is a great one. So let's let's get a little deeper, shall we say? No pun intended. Ooh. Waters, waters, right? I'm, yeah. I'm learning from the best. <laughs> a little deeper in Critical Whoa, What kill, a wonderful segue. In oh, Killer Croc. Right off the bat, uh, you get a taste of this movie's ineptitude because this is not a particularly well-constructed maw that you're looking into. It reminded me of that killer plant movie with Jack Nicholson in the 60s. What was that? Little Shop of Horrors. Like, its mouth is like that. And it has the gall to supply the credits. In the opening credits, the person who constructed said creature, and it says crocodile built by I forget the name is not anything that's particularly like anyone would want to attach a name to. And I thought usually like if you're gonna do this balls to the wall incredible practical effects, then you'd be like, whoa, this is great. But this is something you would Alan Smithy to death, and maybe no, the light, in, in I, like eight point font. Dude, at the it, end. <laughs> it made my jaw hit the floor. It was so effective to me. I honestly, wow. one man's obviously one man's trash is another man's treasure because I oh. thought if I if I was the one who who designed that ma, I would I would be screaming it from the rooftops. Hey ma, I would take out I would take out an ad in Variety and the trades to say that go see Killer Crocodile, see the most impressive opening scene of a Killer Crocodile's oh mouth you'll ever see. It was phenomenal. It was, it was. It took my breath away. Wow. It took my breath away. As did the plot of this movie, which was so full of ridiculousness and gaffes and silliness and malpropisms galore. I mean, where does one even begin? You know, because we have the small little mini intros of the beast. So of course, there's those two geezer fishermen who are talking about pollution. And then that couple that were with the... Were they part of the group with the god-awful guitar strumming? Oh my god. When the guy was like noodling away while his girlfriend was getting... Uh, oh, the, I, they, I thought they were just like... Uh, oh, I'm losing the plot. Who did the guy think he was? Jack Reinhardt or something? <laughs> like, come on, man. Come on. I'm sorry. I took you oh, off the, the no, Oh, no. That was fantastic. Yeah, I completely forgot. Because this guy was a magician. You can say what you want about the practical effects. But this guy was able to elicit high-pitched notes out of the bass string of his guitar. So it's faint. Like, I, I, I played guitar. I love it when this guy... Doing this amazing serenade of his lady friend, and they have this scintillating, uh, you know, 
Albie-esque dialogue between them. It's like, uh, would you like to hear something? And she says, is it rock? Like, without missing a beat. And he says, listen, baby. And then he breaks out this, you know, uh, classical gas. <laughs> it's just awful. And she doffs her top almost instantly no, and jumps into the, thought, jumps into oh, the water. Okay. It's like, he doesn't even get a chance to... You know, but um, as she's in the water and he's noodling away, completely unbeknownst <laughs> to whatever's going on around him, she's getting Jag turned off into, into crock fodder. <laughs> and yeah, Mr. Reinhardt over here is just like, you know, he, he finally notices something's happening and he, he runs to save her. But I mean, his name is Steve, by the way. Uh-huh. No Important David, detail. Yeah. No David Hasselhoff him. I mean, he, he certainly was not a facious. And then, of course, oh, and the other thing too with this croc, every time the croc attacked, could you get any more blatantly a ripoff of the Jaws theme? It wasn't. <laughs> da, 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 da. Oh, of course. It was so similar, you know? Indeed. And of course, uh, par for the course, and this was the same as in Jaws, too. You have someone in the water already trying to usher in the person who's ashore. Saying, come on in, yeah, it's come wonderful, on, come on, on in. And the guy's like, yeah. the guy's uh, balking. And it, he didn't even balk, no pun intended, because he huh. barely looked, looked up from his crossbow uh, <laughs> guitar playing. So. <laughs> Oh, my God. But, yes, ultimately, you know, it comes down to these, what, nature anthropologists or whatever you want to call them. And it doesn't matter whether you have, well, an, okay, for most nature run amok movies, I would say, let's say 90% of them, as well as any Italian cannibal movie, it's almost, it's an unwritten rule. It's the rigor that you got to have either nature photographers, nature preservists. <laughs> nebulous pseudoscientist looking for evidence of some sort or some sort of grad student working on some sort of hypothesis and going deep dark into the jungle yeah fine and of course we have it in this one we've got the academics or environmentalists or ecologists or heading into i don't even know where where was this supposed to take place i can't remember i i don't think they specify just some some nebulous jungle it was tropical yeah yeah yeah, on the one hand you got them trying to expose the pollution of this non-disclosed uh, body of water and they're coming across literal barrels in the... Yeah, marked toxic waste. Yes. Dude, if, you want, if you're going to dump toxic waste, <laughs> don't you... You want to be discreet about it, right? So can't you find a barrel that doesn't have a marking <laughs> of toxic waste? Maybe you could mark it like pickles oh, or something. Well, as died, died in the wool action... Pickle f- barrels. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, as died in the wool, wool action fans, we know that many... Uh, many a container is marked army... Or army surplus, so you know that the, the con- contents therein will contain M16s and M60. Mm. So surely people transporting army gear will not put army in the no, stamp. But, so, but this is even more egregious because when you're dumping, in other words, what you're trying to do is you're trying to be as like surreptitious as possible. Yeah, it's true. Want, and so if you are discovered, you don't want them to just take one quick glance and go, oh my god, that's toxic waste. You want them to at least have to go through the trouble of... Transporting the barrel back, opening up, up, doing a lab test. No, they're just putting it right there on the front for you. Good on them because movies from Toxic Avenger to God knows what have have maintained this conceit. Well, if you want to ante up the stupidity then, uh, maybe you're going to give the ecologist credit. The diver in the hazmat suit? I was going to say, maybe you're going to give these guys credit for doing due diligence because some people might say, hey, that could be a barrel of toxic waste, but maybe uh, it it only is a, uh, let's say, like a slight... Little bit of toxic waste, but no, these well, like guys a hint of toxic waste, <laughs> the flavor of the dish. Yes, this is like the saffron of like DSS Machinas in an animal attack movie. Like, well, to their credit, and again, due diligence, they had stuck a guy in a hazmat suit, which I don't get it either. <laughs> uh, hazmat suit is yeah. for airborne particles to prevent 
uh, contact with your skin, radioactive particles. So going underwater, where which is not the the vehicle for how radi- radioactive activity is transmitted. No. The air is more, and this bastard, they send him in there to really validate what anyone with a pair of eyes would know. Yeah, There's exactly. toxic waste. It's like he goes out with a Geiger counter. It's like, you know, it could just be an elaborate practical joke, I suppose, right? Well, they have the trouble getting a Geiger counter. Those can't be cheap. You know. Oh, no, I meant the barrel droppers. Oh, I don't yeah. know. You, I don't know. You've you started. <laughs> oh, but okay. that, and this team of scientists could not be more ridiculous. The, the head scientist is Kevin, mm-hmm. who I texted you in the middle of watching this debacle. I said he looks like Greg Sistero from The Room. Saw, Tommy Weasel's The Room. I did, yeah. And mm-hmm. he is the most, like, he's so patronizing of his lab assistants. At one point he says, label these test tubes so that we don't confuse them. And it's like, that's his lab assistant. It's like, surely that's your job as a lab assistant? Is that This guy is just off the charts. And, yeah, again, sending his underlings into this, <laughs> into this radioactive uh, lagoon with some biohazard suit. We got some real shit going down. I mean, because not only do you have these these environmentalists in the vicinity, but yeah, there's some uh, devious machinations afoot where you have like the 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 judge um, in in cahoots. I'm gonna talk a bit more about the judge in a moment or two <laughs> with some nefarious what corporations? Yeah, or, yeah, and it's all this one big cover up to dump this toxic waste. So yeah, and then you're getting these crocodile attacks, and they're extremely effective and gruesome and gory and fun but so the movie we have these two conflicts going on one of the conflicts is you know the hero versus the croc right but then once the judge realizes that his corruption i mean they got to do something because people there's a the body count is starting to rise now you got the environmentalists who are like oh we got to protect the crocodile he's an endangered species mm-hmm. he might be the last of his kind Versus Joe the Volcano. No, Joe the Crocodile <laughs> Hunter. we got to talk more about Joe oh, as well. Oh, fantastic, yeah. Who says we got to take him out. Yeah. And then Nary the Twain shall meet until the very end when, yes, they do come to agreement. But, oh, my God, Joe, what a character. Joe is like a mix between the literal Crocodile Hunter, Steve Irwin. May he rest in peace. May he rest in peace. Yeah. With Crocodile Dundee. With his, his, at one point, he wielded the biggest knife I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. The thing almost looked like a fucking like lance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he had a bit of John DeHart from uh, Get Even thrown oh, in there course. as well. Or for those that don't know Get Even, maybe Jeff Foxworthy. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. And any self-styled adventurer worth his salt has got to wear one of those ridiculous Tilly hats. And I don't know what it is. You go out into the bush and you, you get your Tilly hat. So this, this guy is this practically like... Uh, Ernest Hemingway type fellow and the, the like I clipped a little bit and threw it up on Instagram when he sh- he's shooting at the crocodile and the bullets are ricocheting <laughs> off it it's just wonderful and he goes you mother and then it cuts out to something I forget what the Italian dubbing was you mother effer and then ping 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 it was almost like Batman or something it was that was wonderful well and the other, the other thing too is like you know uh, Joe I mean Joe the, the Joe the volcano again I'm gonna have to keep saying that Joe the crocodile hunter <laughs> he I guess were they did just three come out at this point? Sorry, just four because he feels like the the croc has a personal vendetta against him. <laughs> like they got biz, they got business to go yeah, way yeah. back and settle. You know, with like six years at dawn. I mean, that was the conceit of Jaws four, and that was completely ridiculous. But beyond that, he's also um, in his own words a real son of a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a real son of a bitch. He says to one of the uh, students, you know, I love that. You don't want to mess with me. He's he's a hardened fella. This one. And don't forget, he keeps calling Kevin Kid. 
I'm yeah. a real son of a bitch kid. My name is Kevin. Stop calling me kid. They're only about like maybe 15 to 20 years yeah. apart as yeah, well. Yeah. Like, Stop calling me kid. All right, kid. I won't call you kid anymore, kid. Oh, Joe was the best. I love uh, you, Joe. The character that really brought everyone together. And this is wonderful. This is a direct uh, link through maybe the director... "Quote unquote," Larry Ludman, Larry aka Ludman. Fabrizio DeAngelis, who's worked with Joe D'Amato and yep. Umberto Lenzi. Well, yeah, and all let's this. talk about first. This movie was directed by Fabrizio D'Angelo, and this is a name that genre fans know. At least, particularly if you you've seen him films. in the credits, even if you don't know what he's he's done. Like, as a director, not as prolific as some of his contemporaries. I mean, he's best known for. Um, Escape from the Bronx and its sequel, which I believe is uh, 99 of the Bronx Warriors, as well as the Thunder series where uh, a very um, non-Indigenous actor by the name of Mark Gregory played uh, a Native character. Yeah. Um, so that was ridiculous. But I mean, what, what he's most famous for, Fabrizio, uh, is producing. And he produced a bunch of Fulci films, starting from City of the Living Dead to New York Ripper. I mean, that's basically the golden period right mm-hmm. then and there. So if you know Fulci, you know the name Fabrizio D'Angelo. Great producer. Not a great movie. Not a great filmmaker. But No, if I'm not mistaken, he did that Karate Kid knockoff, The Boy in the Golden Kimono. That, that could be that. him as well. Okay. So yeah, another just... Uh, that's go, that's one of the titles. That's probably the one they jettisoned. Is it just well? That's that's, that's just off awful. of the man with the golden gun, right? Oh, okay. Well, that too. And yeah, again, uh, worked with Umberto Lenzi, without whom this podcast would not exist because he's just so perfect. Like Nightmare City is one of our all-time favorites. It like, is. Got to like, be like that is just such a classic. I just saw Eaten Alive by Umberto Lenzi. I, mean, I picked up a Blu-ray uh, seven released it from uh, when we were in. Horam uh, a couple weeks ago, and I mean it's good. I hadn't seen it before, but it pales in comparison as far as cannibal films go. And as much as I like Nightmare City and other films by Umberto Lenzi, I am not going to uh, attribute um, the existence of this podcast to <laughs> Umberto Lenzi. If anything, I think Joe Spinell is way more the patron saint of the really awful Ooh, movies podcast. Excellent. Well, I'm sure as we keep going, we'll maybe beatify a few more uh, characters here. And I believe here. Uh, for you in particular, Bruno Mattei, it definitely was oh, a very yeah, special just, place. Oh, uh, yeah, a classic. Uh, I was going to say also, like, what lagoon, like, remote jungle film would be complete without your native gut? So this is a just terrific character named yep. Conchita. And this poor woman... I mean, like uh, her her role is essentially. Is that the name of the housekeeper and family guy? Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, such a, my, yeah, it's such a stereotypical. Oh, it's so uh, awful, and, and she of yeah. course goes missing. But uh, in fairness, they do treat her with some respect, saying uh, so. She's not your usual just kind of throwaway character. They say, oh, she's known to get up really early, and maybe she wandered off. So and they she's have this... don't disappear for seven days straight yeah. because they, you know. They are concerned, but then oh. it seems like the concern disappears. Uh. And when when she emerges from the fetid swamps and her body sort of <laughs> moves into frame, it was just so perfect. It was perfect. It was like in Argento's Inferno. This, this body just comes right in, and she is the subject of one of the dumbest, the worst, and the stupidest coroner pathology scenes in the history of movie making oh, I, this is I, the, I have this the most down. obscene okay. I think you and I sometimes you say great minds you know uh, yeah. minds. I have something written down about that scene I was going to say for what did we learn but I think you and oh, I are thinking my the God. same thing that is, so let's talk about this I, scene the, so this poor woman the poor native guide is made mincemeat of by this scaly overgrown handbag of a, a crocodile <laughs> and this everyone and their brother 
is having a powwow in the coroner's office as the woman is in like a bathtub decaying her decaying corpse is in there and they're all let's just sort of blathering on as if she's not even there. And, right. like, and what should we do about this croc? And, and your friend, uh, about whom you've shown so much concern earlier on, she's uh-huh. she's she's rotting in the bathtub there in the coroner's office, and they're just prattling on. And it's almost like global warming today. Like there's such a refusal to accept <laughs> the fact that it's a fucking crocodile attack. It's like they need three expert opinions before they can in, actually. In, 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 yeah, including the judge. I believe the uh, attended journalist was on hand too. Foley, who's just a, another wonderful yeah. character. Just what was hilarious to me was, I mean, this was, I guess, for all intents and purposes, uh, a morgue or someplace. You know. Yeah. Now this is so, so, when when I don't know much about you know was it. Pathology forensic pathology or, yeah hmm. but when a body is deceased the body starts to decompose <laughs> rigor mortis sets in doesn't it make sense that you take that body and you put it in a cold climate ASAP oh, yeah. Yeah. so why the fuck was this fat old judge <laughs> who looked like Richard Attenborough in Jurassic Park sitting there fanning himself like he's in fucking the courtroom to kill a mockingbird the entire time you know like sweating like a friggin like farm animal oh that was amazing one thing does not yeah. meld with the other man it's just too funny. yeah no metal stretcher no uh, uh, it wasn't cold. a bathtub yeah. it was a bathtub and they're all just shooting the breeze around this body uh, that was absolutely just phenomenal another another um can see in this movie that was hilarious is when they're out there trying to fight the crocodile and joe's doing whatever he, he's basically the quint of this movie right um, oh yeah hmm. and yeah he's got that massive knife of his which is comically obscene <laughs> but another thing he, at one point he's like taunting and he encourages one of the grad students i believe it was kevin right hmm to taunt the crocodile with insults like oh you think you're bad or something like that like schoolyard <laughs> insults because crocodiles apparently don't like to be insulted they want to lure the crocodile so as to kill it and in, instead of using a nature call or something or using like well they, some meat they yeah. use insults bizarre <laughs> bizarre bizarre and uh usually the mo of a creature feature is to emphasize the otherworldly uh, unbelievable size of said creature and this one, when they're speculating as to whether it was maybe a, a saltwater croc that maybe made its way upriver, and uh, it really did not seem altogether different in size as they were banding about different theories from a regular one. There was like, it oh, was around, around here it was like, uh, you never see yeah. one more than five meters. And then they say, well, this one's ten meters. Oh, it's okay. like, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. Like, and they really did not need the conceit of the, of the radioactive waste because this is not an overly large... Crocodile. It's it's a large crocodile, but it's not out out of this world large like in the way that Jaws was. It, it, it could knock over really, really massive to me. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's because of the state I was in when I was watching it. But it, it, it looked enormous. Well, the, this is I, I got to say this is leading the pack when it comes to creature feature movies because I've seen this is probably my seventh crocodile attack movie okay. like I want I don't know if I could list them all but there's obviously Lake Placid uh, I quite like uh, Alligator it's terrific Rogue which is a pretty underrated 2008 uh, down under mm-hmm. uh, croc yeah, movie yeah. that's really uh, a slow burn with really well developed characters um, god the, the names are sca- oh uh, Komodo which is like if you're probably splitting hairs Komodo uh, Dragon yeah Komodo Dragon yeah. close we, enough whatever we even throw in the giant Gila monster into, <laughs> yeah. into this equation but anyhow yeah, yeah it's definitely my favorite and uh, it probably it has a shark beat because the way to avoid predation is obviously stay ashore and then you just wait it out and then you're good to go. Whereas this thing, although uh, they couldn't obviously 
uh, give away too much because really all they had was a, a giant paper mache head. Yeah, so yeah. they used that, which looked a lot like those Indonesian, those crazy Indonesian animal attack movies. But anyway, this is a creature that can uh, go. I mean, it's you know uh, amphibious, so that's that's great. So there's nowhere you can go, nowhere to run to, nowhere to hide. To uh, to quote warriors, but yeah, so super fun and just yeah, it's up there in my top. I mean, this is faint praise indeed. It's up there in my top three. Top three alligator uh, slash crocodile movies, that's for sure. Well, if I, I guess just by virtue of the fact that I haven't seen as many as you, this is definitely <laughs> my top three. Uh, no, I found this film a hoot. It was entertaining from start to finish. This is just that sort of you know, wonky Italian sort of movie I like. Where it's, just, it's, it's just, you know, you just, they're just, I don't know what it, how to describe it. It's like nothing works, but, but everything works at the oh, same yeah. time. <laughs> and of course, you know, they're ripping things off the front and center. <laughs> I mean, this is 89, man. I mean, they're ripping off a movie that's like 12 years old yeah, at this exactly. point, which is hilarious. They, they were still doing it in Italy, but I, I just... I, I, oh, and to their credit. I have an, an insatiable appetite for Italian rip-offs, or rip-offs in general, Turkish, what have you. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, to their credit, you got to love... I mean, this is threadbare, you know, low-budget filmmaking, so they're taking their camera and they're putting it below the water lines. So you got this murky uh, brown water, this brackish lagoon and then they're just bouncing the camera up and down which is kind of, it's effective that's what I would do if I had 100k to make a movie and that's what they're doing the setting is just amazing so I guess we could segue into what we've learned yeah well uh, some of the stuff that I learned um, I've actually now um, talked about in the process of our discussion it's rare that I write down things I've learned oftentimes mm. I just pull out my ass the yeah. podcast. <laughs> but um, I wrote down uh, Italian movies you gotta remember the conditions on set I mean you have every like it's like it's like the United Nations people from around the world people yeah. so then of course you get your dubbing and some of it is hilarious and there's malpropisms galore two of them that are my most favorite are not so much malpropisms but just like extremely obvious sentiments again redundancies yeah. like, like the like the title for, for example when some of these um these these anthropologists start getting picked off one by one by the croc. One of the one of the women says to the assembled, "You know, if we if we hadn't asked her to come, she might have still been alive. Might have. <laughs> yeah. I, I would have thinking. Yeah, I would, would think. Have been yeah, like it's a hundred percent certainty. She would have been at home in whatever. Yeah. Of some golf no equivocation like required. Amazonian jungle where she's not fitting off mutated killer crocs. That's the oh, first perfect. one. The other one was, um, I believe it was Joe, who, uh, sorry, the judge himself who said it. It sounds like Joe is right again. This time. <laughs> How can you be right again, repeatedly, <laughs> this time, for the first time? So, I mean, oh, my brain wonderful. is just being ripped apart. But it's to the film's credit. It just added to the shag shaggy dog nature of the film. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, What did you learn? Oh, uh, well, the Italians, like... They are obviously trying to connect with a with a Western uh, sensibilities and audiences. You see this in Fulci all the time with the ubiquitous use of the name Bob, 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 and uh, particularly Giovanni Lombardo Radice and in the, the the golden era of Fulci movies, Bob. Bob, Bob, and this one, Don't there's Bob. Bob, is... the, 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 oh my God, that kid, that nightmare's little kid in, in, that, in the house by the cemetery. And oh yeah, another one. And, and, and they wouldn't call him Bobby, which is, would be so much more appropriate for a child. Oh, exactly. Just Bob. And the kid was like, oh my God, he looked like a shrunken down version of like He-Man. Like if He-Man was shrunk into like an imp size, it was scary. Anyway. Well, it's like if we were to make a movie for the Italian audience and we named every character Luigi, it would be the exact same thing. Much, Luigi, yeah. Luigi, it is... Oh, I guess uh, I learned that this could be what it boils down to. This is not man versus beast. This is more uh, idealism versus pragmatism. Yeah. So uh, what you have is the uh, uh, 
the environmental yeah the environmental concerns of like this might be and this is another hoary just uh, cliche where it could be the only one of its species so we can't Mm -hmm. harm it which i never understood because clearly the thing is reproducing to create it so it couldn't be what the last one of its well like presumably if there's one there's more than one which i never understood about like the uh about well, there's going to be one. at some point if a species is extinct, there's going to be only one left, right? And once that is I gone, suppose, why do they always assume there's going to be one left? It's like uh, like uh, the Loch Ness monster. Like, right. is it only exists there, and there's only one, and then for eighty years people are just seeing that one, and it never dies? Like, what is the, how old is this Loch Ness monster? Probably about but, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love that, and it's like you, uh, you lousy ecology people, and. Uh, so, yeah, like the battle between what to do in the immediate sense. Like, listen, he's so already three killed fitty. three of your... Three fitty. And he went, <laughs> you don't get that reference, do you? Three fitty? Three fitty. No. South Park. Oh, Ness. my God. <laughs> the viewers over there that watch South Park will get that oh one. Oh, my God. Anyway, sorry. Oh, and when uh, another thing I learned is when this incredibly, like, this could be like mafia-constructed, uh, contracted-out dock that just falls apart like a house of cards. And these kids are, like, clinging for dear life to this dock as it, as it collapses and then this maw opens up mm-hmm. and then and then a quick cut and then there's a, a torso just in that rendered in half i was just laughing my my hindquarters right oh off my God. I was just oh and, and what about the calling for kevin <laughs> it just went on and on ad nauseum kevin kevin oh kevin. my god uh, oh. oh and the indefatigable uh photographer Yes. It's like this fucking Ansel Adams is on the That's boat with them. Always, and he, you always he have will, to have a photographer to document your journey <laughs> up the river into some sort of... And he puts himself in mortal peril yeah. against all uh, rhyme or reason to get his shot. And speaking of money shots... There's this unbelievably Did we bring up money shot? Oh, unbelievably just, inappropriate. You have a very circular way of acknowledging puns. I'm coming back to the, the, the point. There's it. this unbelievably yeah. inappropriate. Uh, again, this is a mixed company, male and female, on this expedition. Right. And they're going to camp for the night. And the... Uh, I forget the if it's... co-ed. It's co-ed. co-ed. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, if I'm not mistaken, maybe Kevin or one of the, one of the e- ecologists says, Oh, come inside my tent. We could do a photo essay for Hustler. And it's like, what? How is that? Like, that's not appropriate in any era. Like, that is not appropriate <laughs> then. It was not appropriate now in the Me Too. It's never appropriate. Oh, and Lord, when Lord. would someone pen such a line? Like, this guy, it was never <laughs> foreshadowed that this guy was like a rutting sexist pig. Because then you'd say, oh, that's his character. He's exactly. a pig. He's yeah, just yeah. a normal guy saying, hey, ladies, like, come in for my hustler photo essay. It's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, it just undermines whatever sense of professionalism this, you know, this fucking character had. Like, on this Anna Wintour or whatever. I don't even know anymore like, i can't even is that even a photographer yes it I, is okay. no it's is it oh okay or is that like the the publisher of vogue magazine oh, i don't know but this photo essay like robert maplethorpe yeah, yeah exactly yeah. photo essay <laughs> oh my god stars yeah exactly He's oh perfect all the photograph- there you go all, yeah right? oh that's fantastic yep. yeah star rating star rating for me um this is I, I was I was toying perilously close to giving this four stars just because I found it to be so deliriously entertaining and it really is. Although I hate saying it, it's, it's only eighty minutes, but there's just a wee bit of pacing issues just here and there that I'm just going to knock it right down to three and three quarters. But man, oh man, when this film is on is on is firing all cylinders, oh, it is <laughs> it is something to behold. So yeah, I really really dug the shit out of this movie. Oh yeah. Three scaly-jawed uh, swamp-dwelling creatures out of five for me. Maybe in three and a three and a 
maybe three and a quarter. This is so much fun. Mm-hmm. And we hope you've had fun listening to this podcast uploaded new episodes every Friday for your listening pleasure. And we'll talk or to you displeasure. Soon. I mean, if masochists sure. listen to us, you know, they <laughs> oh, may, they you, may you hate figure there's it, a wide swath of people hate listening to us? I Maybe so. Okay. In well, fact, if we had more hate listeners, that would probably be a good thing. <laughs> okay. Welcome. They say no such thing as bad publicity, right? <laughs> exactly. So that should be our goal for 2019. Um, okay. Get more hate listeners. All oh, right. Yeah, Sounds I'm, good. I'm, I'm sick and tired of listeners who like our podcast. I'm kidding. Man. I love good. you all. Yeah. Uh, constructive criticism. Send it your way. We'll uh, take it, man. Yeah. Lauding, uh, opprobrium, everything. Send it our way. Really awful movies. We're just lonely. We just want messages. To send us anything. <laughs> yeah, to keep us warm over this it, this very cold uh, holiday season. It could be your favorite fruitcake recipe. You know. Sure. I mean, yeah. We're in December now, so yeah. Oh God. You know the email. Yes. Say it again. You know, I, I'm not a fan of those doorstop cakes. But anyway, really awful movies at gmail.com, and we'll talk to you soon. We certainly shall. Take care.